0: Welcome back guys to the Bear and Scully podcast with me, Sean Scullion, a.k.a. Scully O'mal, a.k.a. The Bear Aiden the face for radio behind the scenes And today we are joined with Anne Glover
1: Hi, hello there boys And welcome
0: to the show And thank you so much for coming up
1: Thank you, coming up I like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very welcome um <laughs> you know, anyone that ever arrives with cake in hand is always welcome I got a, a mo- moaning cake? A Gro- groaning
0: Groaning A groaning cake Yeah uh, First time I ever heard of it yeah. Can't wait to try it.
1: You'll absolutely so love it. The,
0: the,
2: the, let's get down to this. The The terminology from the groaning cake is pregnant ladies to take their mind off.
1: Labour. Labour. While yeah. in labour. Well, because when they're, when they're in labour, you know... You don't have to lie on your back, your legs, near, and you're on your labour, you can actually go about life normally. So yeah. <laughs> so women you can crack get a few the cake, eggs
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> You can crack a few eggs and make something nice <laughs> out of it and it's distracting. Yeah. And it's like the smells, the home the smells of the cake in the oven and just keeping everybody lovely and calm and relaxed and normalizing stuff really.
0: So while they're making it they're doing plenty of groaning.
1: Oh, that's the whole idea. Yeah. That's the whole
0: thing. That's the it.
2: love, is it? That's and, the well, actually,
1: energy. That's right. Whenever you're baking the cake and you're a neighbour, that's actually taking all the any like soreness away with into the cake, yeah. Because you you can use your mind, you know.
2: As long as I don't get a couple of contractions <laughs> later on. <I'm> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> but you know, oh, and I think that is what we're going to talk about. That uh, this big frantic idea of being in labour and, and going out now. So these are going to be like. What does he know? I don't know anything, right? And I'm not going to liken it to anything because we, we can only empathise. But the whole point, I think, more when we talk about hypnobirthing and we get into it is the de-stressing the situation as instead of hypnobirthing because I'm going to be honest, right? If my wife told me, oh, my waters are broke, I'll plenty of time, I'm going to knock up a cake, i would be knocking out the door in the car, <laughs> freaking out. But, but it is very much a... Uh, And as we're going to talk about it, about taking that initial panic and men probably amplify the situation sometimes more than, than, than.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sometimes men can keep everything really calm and in perspective as well, because, you know, our brains work differently. But I know with men, like usually generally you want to fix it. You want to fix the situation. So that's probably, yes, let's get to hospital. But if it was a planned home birth and you were there, you were just like, okay, you be busy with the kids or getting the set up and stuff, you know. So I've seen both are I, 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 I,
2: I just, <laughs> so we'll get into it. Yeah. Uh, but, but before we go all the way down that road, uh, let's get a wee bit of a background on you, and where you're from and okay how, how it came to. How, uh, Anne, how many babies, first and foremost, let's deliver, how many babies have you brought in to Norm now?
1: Well, I haven't brought any in except my own three but right. I've supported women uh, through labour and I'm actually on call now for my 110th. Now, I'm saying that and I could actually pinch myself because I never in my wildest dreams thought I would be saying thing 10 Yeah, balls. absolutely. It's crazy. And I've been doing this eight and a half years. Um, when I, I was going to say it later on in the podcast, but I'll say it now. Like when I did the training for this, I came away thinking I'll never be at a birth because when women are in labour, a lot of women throw up and are sick and that. And that's something I'm not very good at. Like dealing with sick, even with a cat sick, I'm like, "Where are you? Come pick up!" You know, I don't want to do that. So I came away from my course thinking, "No, oh, I would not even be a birth doula. I'll concentrate in the birth, the postnatal doula. You know, the after, but that's all lovely, newborn cuddles and all. And here I am, hundred and ten on call, crazy. Just crazy. don't know where this life path takes you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Him. So, um further back, before we yeah. go into it, where are you from? All right, okay. How do we get into this?
1: So, I'm Anne Glover, and I live now um, at the maze, which is between Lisburn and Moira, out in the country. And I grew up in Hillsborough. Um, and then we went travelling with the kids um, around the world a wee bit. And when I came back here nine years ago, this is what sort of brought me to the doula. I want to do something that I really enjoy doing, not a job. So, I started off in banking. what do you think how did you end up here and as I say we went to travelling with the kids um, just to get away from this place and this was in the late 80s and we wanted our kids to have like a bit of a more wide open mind about what's going on which thankfully thank god they do now Um,
2: where did you move to? uh,
1: we we ended up primarily in Eastern Europe yeah so so, travelled around a bit Um, we went to Bavaria as well so the kids speak um, German speak a bit of Russian speak a bit of this we were a bit weird, you know, you know, whenever I would come back from holidays to, to meet my mum and that, I'd be walking down Hillsborough and people would say, Oh, hello, Anne, where are you living now? And I would say, you know, Bucharest, and go, why? <laughs> so because that's, that's my life at the minute. It was like that, that strange one, you know, that left and it keeps popping up again. But you didn't yeah. just
2: do the norm and head off to Melbourne or or <laughs> off till like uh, California or something.
1: You, no, you, something different. Yeah, we like yeah. something different. Yeah. So yeah, we did that. Um, but strange, we went to London as well, and I have to say, then in the late eighties, I felt a wee bit, you know, a bit suspicious, a wee cons- conspicuous, you know, of my accent, which was much stronger than what it is now, and to think that people think I'm a a sleeper here or something. But, you know, it's life learning. It's, you know, you learn a lot and you get on with it. You make friends. And um, when you have kids, you always make friends. So anyway, um started off in banking. And then when the kids were small, I did a bit of childminding, ran creches and stuff. And then thought I'll do, why not just do a degree when you're at home with three young youngsters and you know. So I did a degree in social sciences. And it was just sort of like bringing me into this sort of um, where I am now.
2: And how long ago was that that you done that degree?
1: I did that about 20 years ago and ended up working then in social care. So worked with a lot of vulnerable people, worked with um, homeless and worked with adults with learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't work with children, vulnerable children. I just don't have that in me. Um, another reason why I'm not like a doctor or a nurse or something, uh, back to that sickness thing. <laughs> it's just who I am. But always seeds planted my mind along the way and one of them was um my sister asked me to be her birth partner because her husband refused to go back to the second birth because <laughs> he didn't enjoy the first one <laughs> um, and my kids were young at the time at three at that stage and I went with her um when she was having her baby and funny enough she says, Oh Anne, well, I think I think baby's coming so I got the midwife in, this was in hospital. Midwife came in and went, Oh no, you are gonna be ages yet she went out and I swear, two minutes later, my wee niece was there. <laughs> just the three of us. Uh, of course, we went and got up the midwife, you know. But I thought, you know, that was just quite magical. Um, I, as I said, had three. I'd been through three births myself. But to actually see my sister birth and her baby was mind-blowing. It really was. Like, there's nothing quite like it in this world. So again, I think that seed was sown as well. Um, about something to do, being attracted to babies and birth and just being there supporting people. And then did the social sciences, the social work. Um, Again, when we were in Romania living, um, I was working or volunteering at an abandoned babies hospital, which sounds awful and it was, but was able to uh, just to get to see how things work there. I thought, you know, with my degree, I'd be able to do things. But no, you, know, you just don't do things like that, you know. So um, it was quite fascinating, really. So I so, said, yeah, did a bit of travelling and then came back here, uh, say so that, about nine years ago. And decided at my stage in life, you know, I want to do something that I really enjoy and feel quite passionate about. Um and how did I find out about a doula? Because this word doula is a bit strange. Like when I said to my husband, I'm going to be a doula. He says, doula, I'll never work here. He says, that sounds really weird. Um, and I, he says, Can you not change the name. I says, no, it is a name. So I came across this word doula in a magazine when we were living in Kiev at the time. And it was an English magazine. And I had this photograph of, like, an older woman carrying shop in this house and a young mum opening the door with a baby in her arms. And I thought, oh, that's lovely. And I read about it and I thought, I'll do that whenever I'm a granny, you know. I'm still not a granny. I'm still do
2: this. <laughs> but, if any of your children need a handout, <laughs> mummy's mommy's a pro.
1: They better call me first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I read that magazine, went back and found out... Just did a bit of research, you know, about doulas. You know, what are they? And spoke to some friends, spoke to some um, midwives uh, and thought, you know, I'm just going to go and do the train, and see where it takes me. Um, and meanwhile, I start volunteering with Tiny Life. I don't know if you know of Tiny Life here. No. It's um, a Northern Ireland charity. Uh, it works with families who have babies like twins, triplets, um, multiples as they call it. Our families have babies that are sick, you know, and just need a bit of extra support. So the charity really supports that. And it also looks into why so many women here have miscarriages, which is quite interesting too. So I like the whole idea behind that, you know, their philosophy and that. So I thought I'll do a bit of volunteering, which actually... I went into people's homes when they were home with the babies Um, and when it was twins or triplets, that was just full on, if you can imagine, you know, it was just feed, wash, clean, laundry, feed, wash, clean. But just to give the parents a bit of relief, you know, just for a few hours, a couple of times a week. So that sort of tied in with the postnatal side of the doula work too. So that was sort of all coming together quite nicely. So then um, I got in touch with other doulas that were here, whenever I did my training course I had to go to London to do it because there's nobody here training so I did all my coursework and come back and was all really enthusiastic um, about wanting to be a doula um, about the postnatal work and stuff Um, and was trying to market myself and get out there uh, and say a lot of people just have no idea still now like a doula what is that so got in touch with other doulas Uh, there only were a couple here at the time Um, So I did a bit of networking with them and funny enough, one of them asked me to go along to a birth with her and I thought, oh, okay. So I went to the birth and the rest is history, basically. I thought, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, this is amazing. So I do both um, birth doula work and postnatal work. And just on a side note, in case you didn't know, um, being a doula is a massive wide spectrum. So there are... Doulas um, like fertility doulas, people trying to have um, children. There are abortion doulas for people who are going through abortions, um, miscarriages. There's also the birth doula. There are baby loss doulas and there are menopausal doulas. Not, I don't mean doulas who are going through the menopause, but to support women who are going through the menopause. And there's also end of life doulas. I don't know if you've heard of any of them before.
2: I was not aware that there was so many variants and and I only became aware of a doula a few years ago when my sister says to me that she was going to, she was a nanny out in in California and she was like she was going to do doula and very much like I was like what the hell is a doula (laughs) and then she started telling me and you know what, right? This is the problem here in this country. Like, this how backward we are about this, right? I was like, so let me get this dead. Somebody comes in and they help you and they help breastfeeding the right and all. And I remember at the start and I was like, well, <laughs> if I could have got a hold of a doula <laughs> when our boy first arrived, I'd have been all over that. And I actually was like, there is a massive hole in the market in Northern Ireland for this. This is, like, I thought this was some modern, like... You know, the way we're like 20 years behind everything else, I thought this was some like modern concept. And then I realized actually this is actually a lot more well-known and and there's a lot of people. But commonly I just thought Adula was if you're about to have your baby or you just had your baby, you had someone there for support. Because years ago there was all big families and you would have had an older sister maybe would have Mm -hmm. spoke or they'd have had an auntie come around. And I I know this sounds so like... Neanderthal As in the, the women came around to help But Years ago That was more the way it was And there was more people That There was bigger families So more yeah. people were having children So it was a more Supported role Where now If professionals have moved away from home And they maybe don't have that support network They don't have somebody there yeah. till, till It it actually answers so many questions You're going to get somebody that comes in and says No you're not going to need to do that No you are going to need to do this And you It be better Having something there. I remember one time saying it was like, where where are you going to put the bin? You need a bin beside that. Well, I'll just run. So you're going to run out 16 times while (laughs) the baby goes 16 times in a day. And it was that understanding and somebody there to start saying these things. But were you nervous then when you decided that this was, and it is a modern role for Northern Ireland, would there be a a market there for it? And well, obviously 110 babies later, there, there, there absolutely is.
1: Yeah. Well, at the beginning, I thought, you know, I'm going to go for it. You know, I luckily in my stage of life, I don't have to, like, work full time to put bread on the table, you know. And I do f- feel, you know, quite, um, it's quite an advantage for me. But um, it, it's interesting getting the word out, you know, um, and and really um, developing that role. And i can tell you now that there are about, I would say, about 15 to 20 doulas now working in Northern Ireland across the province. And as part of the of NI, you can say where my have sweatshirt here and have to tell you about that as well. But we've just done the training course here. So we are an approved training course here and we just have really released twelve graduates here last week.
2: So you're doubling up the numbers?
1: Absolutely. And some of them have already been to birth. Yeah. The only thing is there's no official statistics or anything kept here. You know how many you know, many doulas are going to births, and how many women have doulas at births and postnatally. Because the other funny thing is, you mentioned about doulas being around for a while. Historically, there've always been doulas, but they weren't called doulas. If you and if you see any like prehistoric paintings and <coughs> that, you'll see that women were being held up by women having babies. And here in Ireland, they would have been called the handy women years ago. When you talk about villages and communities and that, there always would have been someone in the village or the community that would go to when someone was pregnant or having a baby. So I always feel that that is something, even though, like, the word doula might only be around 30 years, I do feel that what I'm doing has been right through our ancestors. And when I look back to, like, what my granny did, she was probably, would have been called, like, a doula, you know, and all of us, you know, would have women in the family that others would have come to. So... How long
2: do you be post and, and, and pre with the, the families before birth and after? Because obviously doula's not, some people do go on to become the nanny because they build up a relationship and everything. Yeah. But, you are you know, is it 12 weeks? Is it eight weeks? Or is it just depend on the family or, or what way does that work?
1: It does depend on the family. Like I've had people contact me when like 38 weeks pregnant looking for a doula. I've had people contacting me before they even pregnant saying, so, when I get pregnant, I want you to be my doula. And then literally as soon as they pay that sticker on the phone.
2: Uh, Lock and it in. You, yeah. <laughs> 38 <laughs> weeks seems like, you know, shopping for your Christmas tree on Christmas Eve, doesn't it? <laughs> well, <there> are, Everybody's <laughs> at, at, different. At, at, any, at any point you can blow and then you're like, uh, you yeah. know, uh, I've thought about this and I want you there.
1: Yeah, every, everybody's different. And I think now, because there's such a small, like there's problems that people Talk Yeah So people are saying Well I know about you, Dilla. I had You ask Go and see if i be your doula Or you know Spread the word So a lot of people Are asking And it
2: is very much a referral Because you need yeah. You need the sort of like You know This is one of the biggest moments And you need somebody That you, you're compatible with You don't want somebody yeah. that's, That you don't like Standing at the business end When you know when you're giving birth,
1: absolutely, and that's why we wanted to have more doulas here. I'm just laughing at the bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know sometimes the most basic way to say things. They're starting at the business, <laughs> but but you know what I, I mean. You you need to be comfortable with somebody. You 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 know you're not your yourself, and, and and you could be in absolute amounts of pain or drugs or whatever's going on.
0: But the but, role of a doula there, it's obviously you're there to support the the husband wife, or you know. Whoever it is, yeah. what, what what does it all entail? Okay. Like I know you're saying that as an Adula yeah. like, from the first initially, yeah, from I'm I'm initially like, contact. Yes, what like as in a phone call, and then what happens? Yeah,
1: so that is a really good point because people another you know there's a few myths around what doulas do, and we don't stand out there going, "I'm a doula, you know, and you're pregnant, you know, take me, tick me." People contact us.
2: <laughs> You're not at the 20 weeks, scale standing out the front of the wee <laughs> board. <laughs> just
1: slipping a business card. No, nope. <laughs> no, nope. absolutely not. People contact us and said sometimes it's word of mouth or they do a Google search or someone said something or have you heard about a doula and they're reading books and talks about doulas and they'll do research and it will come up and people will send me a message. I get a phone call. I can get an email, Instagram, whatever. So I always say, look, it's really important. It's good we can chat, but we really need to meet in person because as, just as you said, like um, birth is very intimate and the way birth works and um, the natural process, you want somebody there who's going to make you feel relaxed, feel assured, feel that you're doing a great job, not someone who wraps up to your birth and you're thinking, her again can't stand her can't stand her voice I hate the way she looks can't stand the smell of her which might seem a bit harsh but it's really 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 important and um, you need that connection and again that's why we needed more doulas because I can't be everyone not everyone's cup of tea um, and there's only a few of us and we couldn't all have been everyone's cup of tea we need different people for different everyone likes different things yeah so it's making that connection is really really
2: important so, so then you you would prearrange now you you're a massive advocate for hypnobuffin and and that would yeah. be something that. but that obviously 38 weeks is a bit late in the stage for for it is. for that but if somebody said they wanted to reach out to you um say their, their their family plan at the minute and they're they're trying to get pregnant and they're they're planning their family now and they're like you know what I don't. My I, my mom lives across, and and I'm saying my mum, but I'm just saying sometimes that, and it is funny. A lot of your natural instincts sometimes kick in and things that can happen. But your sister or, or somebody, and you you're making them plans. Who's going to be with you? Your partner's there, trying to read up and and But say if somebody was like, you know what, I want somebody there. Mm-hmm. We we me and my partner don't know what we're doing. We want somebody there that that that. That's going to reassure us and calm us down. Do, do they attend, do they come to you for like hypno classes before? Or how far out in, in in the period do they do this?
1: Well, hypnobirthing, um, I offer the full course, the hypnobirthing course. And that's like five sessions. And that usually starts around 30 to 32 weeks. If some people have done a hypnobirthing course before, we just do a refresher around 34, or 35 weeks. Because with hypnobirthing, it's all about starting to listen to your scripts um, understanding why, how, and why having a works, and getting that brain to do what you wanted to do, getting the mind to work.
2: We are not going to let you go past it that quick because <laughs> Sean and me I, I'm
0: still sitting here with these <laughs> class I'm Like I'm pre- here, I need more answers, <laughs> Sean. Right? Because turn to see, me whenever I, and goes, see whenever I go, see whenever I say it <laughs> no, Even in all that, I'm like, see whenever I ask, I want details of everything that's been step by so, step yeah. welcome even, even in the birth i'm thinking about whenever my wee girl was <laughs> being born um me sitting there rubbing away sand that was my job just to stand there like i didn't know what else to do i was like this is what i'm I meant to do just hold her hand that's you that's enough but it's not enough so i want you to t- tell me so, as a doula what what yeah. what is it that you're given you know to the the woman that's in labor
1: right okay so I'll go right back to basics to Mother Nature. Um, David Attenborough, if you ever watch any of his nature programmes and you have an animal about to birth her cub or foal and smells danger or senses something, will actually suck that foal, cub back into her and will run maybe for 24 hours before she sits down to birth that cub again. And that is because if you are surrounded by fear or worry or anxiety, you cannot birth. We're humans and we work very much the same same process. You know, we want we want to feel safe. We want somewhere where it's like not big bright lights. Like just think how you make a baby, how you get it in is how you get it out. Yeah, I'm not saying the full works or mm-hmm. anything, but this is why you said rubbing your wife's hand. It's really, really important because
2: so good you in the war.
1: in the birthing process, you can up a lot of different places too, <laughs> but, you know, in the birthing process, um, there's a lot of hormones apply, it's like a, a cocktail of hormones. So the main important hormone is oxytocin. You, you probably know this because you've done having a and, and yeah. So the oxytocin is the, the, the love hormone, the shy hormone. It's the hormone I say you are the oxytocin machines. Yeah. You're really keeping the oxytocin going, whether it's rubbing your wife's hand, was giving her a cuddle, giving her a kiss, giving her a smooch. Tweaking a nipple, whatever you do during the birthing process, that's all helping the oxytocin. Oxytocin is what makes those contractions come. Makes out, makes that. Uterus, really, Serge? If you get me onto the uterus, I'm going to be here the next week. It's such an you amazing.
0: Threw,
2: you just threw something <laughs> quite left field out in the middle of that conversation. And I was like, if I had tw- known that there's tw- tweaking tw- nipples tw- involved,
0: I, I, the room would have I
1: been totally
2: different. Slow the process down to give us a. Twi- <laughs> my, my version of it in the room. But I right? love the way that you just, you know, stroke her head, <laughs> tweaking nipple. What do you hear? Just what do you hear though
0: in the room before? You know, this all happened. I was I was like, uh, the, the best way for me to relax Tanya is by me being relaxed. So she was bouncing the wee ball. So I lay down in the bed and went for sleep. This is how, not, a, I was resting my eyes. I wasn't really asleep. I was like, right. For you, you use, need to the wee ball. For any of you that are
2: listening right now, Anne is about to eat the microphone with John. <laughs> he is the exact opposite. This is why she has a profession because. Fathers like this, I'm only joking, but I was like relaxed. But so, but there was the things you I'd said, relax. yeah, taking control back of the situation was something that I very much realized that that was right at the forefront of hypnobirthing so, just I, I did say to you before the show, I actually did attend the hypnobirthing classes. Yeah, and as much as you think I'm an ignorant Neanderthal, I actually could, I'm not a very holistic person, so uh, for me, but my wife is, and my whole mindset in this was even if I think this is very fair or whatever, if she thinks it's good, then it's going to be. And 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 this is actually the way, and, and this is mindset and holistic. If, if somebody is put at ease or something, then it's working. It's working. And i seen it firsthand Worked with my wife. But I didn't realize then a lot of it was round the room and you could request things. And we, we rocked up with Lavender. Uh, well, I think it was Lavender. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We had like... And I can just remember the, the night before my wife was like propping pillows and putting wee drops on and getting everything to the way she mm-hmm. wanted. We have this preconceived idea that it's panic, it's rush, it's chaos, it's pain, it's screaming. But we well, I didn't. This mindset. I thought it was very relaxing actually.
1: Now, oh, if you were sleeping. Just <laughs> <you
0: wouldn't laughs> rest my eyes.
2: <laughs> it's a bad job when your pregnant wife has to nudge you and say, do you mind if I sit down there? <laughs> but but it, 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 going back We were joking And mm-hmm. I don't want to take away From the actual yeah. The actual serious scenario we We're talking about So in, in hypnobirthing And and for when 100% I thought like Sean I was like Are they hypnotizing this? When I realised It was more just getting To a better state Of a, of a relax Of a, of a calmness and, and working on your breathing And trying to concentrate yeah. On something other than What yeah. entirely was going on But the 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 premise around it. That that the smell and how people are talking and the, the even the lights, you can mm-hmm. request the lights. So I didn't know any of this. I was like sometimes I, this is what I wondered. You know, it almost becomes like a conveyor belt delivery suites and they're obviously just understaffed and trying to do what they're doing. Does sometimes does it feel like you're fighting again the current with these and you're like, whoa, 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 we wanna just do this a wee bit different and then than you're used to, and, and do they sometimes be like oh f-. Here comes a doula. (laughs) But but you know what I mean? Because when when they're trying to do this and you're trying to make this experience you you don't care about their system. You're caring about your patient or your or your mother
1: or your mm -hmm. client.
0: But also you're you're not there to replace a midwife.
1: Absolutely not. No, I am not medically trained. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I am not there to replace a midwife. And you know, if a doula and a midwife are working alongside each other or with doctors, that woman's going to have a really good outcome, you know, because she's got everyone on her side and, yeah. and, and really understand the process. they
2: do they ever have friction?
1: What, the doulas and midwives? It's a really good question because sometimes um, I wouldn't say friction because I see my role as keeping any friction away and I would never like rock out of the birth, throw up a sleeve and say, right, we're doing this, we're doing that. There's some misunderstanding around the role of a doula and I think that's where it can lead to a wee bit of, oh, here's Anne again or here's the doula. But I honestly can say, my my heart, I know, (coughs) excuse me, whenever um, I rock up at some birth, the midwives are going, oh, it's lovely to see you. And I know they're being genuine. Because because I know they're... You're there to help. I'm there to actually help and make our lives a wee bit easier too. Um, And I can see how that works, and a lot of midwives do get that. So any friction or any... any, Like, there are some myths around doulas, you know, as well, you know, that we're all, like, um, hippies and... You know, swishing, burning sage, and you know that we're there to take the role of a midwife to tell her what to do. We don't do any of that. Why would we? Why would I tell anybody else what to do? My focus is on the birth and mommy and her partner, and to ensure that what she wants, what's really important to her, is being listened to. Yeah.
2: So um, hypnobirthing works more in the in the process of natural birth, and 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 you know yeah. it it's. Sometimes it's taken out of your control But this is more often enough for for women that have elected to have a natural birth Whether it's a water birth or whether it's in, in the hospital or at home But um, this is something that I, I wanted to say that, that the reason, and I was a big fan of, I'm not a big fan But I, I seen the benefits for my wife My wife's a warrior and a panicker and she would like build mm-hmm. things up and we went to the classes and we done on the breathing techniques and the, the mindfulness and, and, and she, she would be very open to holistic anyway in her her, mm-hmm. her her work. But we went to all this and I remember the first time she going, you're coming with me to hypnobirthing. And I was like, <laughs> quote unquote, what the am I doing at a hypnobirthing class? Right. But it is very much a team effort in in when you realise the what you're actually the collective goal of this is to relax, to to concentrate on things, to work on a breathing. Because it's easier for the man to remember the pattern or the count when you're not receiving yeah. contractions and pain and, and, yeah. and, and you're you're not doing that. But the it, the birth changed for my wife and it became an emergency section mm-hmm. and and uh, my son became distressed and all of a sudden the tempo, the mood, the whole the whole thing changed, even with the doctors and the way they were when they were monitoring the baby's heart. And then all of a sudden you could just see everything became more urgent, yeah, more serious. Fantastic. And at that point, like you're picking up, on I'm right. So at that point I could see her go, didn't nearly go out of it, but she did stay calm and she was staying in that there. And we, we had we had Doctor Stewart who was absolutely fantastic and and, and we we had both our boys with Doctor Stewart and uh she was like, right, this you 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 told she told Dr. Stewart what she wanted. She wanted the natural birth where we wanted. And uh she was allowed that opportunity. But there was always a mind there was I know you're saying that I don't mean allowed that opportunity, but, but the reason I am saying this and 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 I mean this the, I think early in our pregnancy, the doctor looked, big shoulder baby, small wife, this could be, this could, this might, like right, this might not, and I, I think the, I think they're maybe you're, you'll think I'm completely wrong, but I think they're doing it that often, sometimes they know when this might not be the, this might not be the outcome, but this is what you want, and we're here, and we respect what you're doing, but I actually do, I asked her then, and she goes, I didn't think, that's a big, big baby. You have a small wife I did think that there may be A situation where we had to do it this way But it's still She was like I never seen someone as calm And then yeah. they were discussing The hypnomorphic She goes, I never seen someone as calm Even as that It was like it was fine And I was like That's not what she's normally like <laughs> But I did and, and even though She didn't get to deliver the baby I felt like it helped Like that's what I was saying to people If you were doing it Even if you're not sure I still think even if it was an elected uh, section, I still think it helped in in that scenario.
1: Absolutely. And this is the thing, hypnobirthing are skills that you learn. It's a technique that you learn um, primarily for birthing. But the skills and techniques you learn are actually for life. And I've had loads of dads said to me, I love that breathing technique. I'm going to do it the next time I stand up in front of my team on Monday morning and be doing my breathing exercise before I go in there. So you, you do learn the techniques um, and they do set you up. And see, when I did and I made it, I was taught to do that, what, six years ago. Dentists have never been the same for me since because I was always terrified of going to the dentist. Now I just go in and do my hypnobirth and breathing and I'm not having a baby, I'm just going to the dentist and it works. It's amazing, it's mind over matter. You know, the theories that the body does what the mind wants to do and this is all like the theories that hypnobirthing are based on you train your mind and exactly what your wife did whenever um, things changed, hypnobirthing is primarily, it's built on the philosophy for instinctive birth, you know that we know how to birth our babies and we birth, birth instinctively but also if babies decide that this isn't working for them or there's a little detour, that still um, the mum and the dad can stay relaxed and use all those Techniques and, and tools you know, to, to maintain that because No matter what the outcome is you know, if, if you can stay calm and relax it's going to be Much much benefic- more beneficial to you And that's well. the thing
0: even hypnobirthing And obviously having a doula there To help through that process I'm assuming that a lot of mums that would come to you you'll Be like I want a natural birth A lot of mums maybe are, are that way of thinking But it doesn't always work that way I'm, I'm, I'm sure like over the 100 Babies that's been delivered with your help you know, there's been cesarean sections.
1: There have, mm-hmm. indeed, and some hypnobirthing as well. But what, what the hypnobirthing parents say to me afterwards, say Anne, I'm so glad I did that course with you because it's give, it gave us the confidence to make the right decision, the decision that was right for us at the time. And then by doing that, by having that knowledge and having the confidence to do that, that takes away any trauma around it. And, and also, trauma's a big thing.
2: Also, first time parents sometimes don't have the confidence to say, look, Give me a wee bit more time. Absolutely. Let me let me see. Yeah. Because sometimes, and 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 I'm not saying because the care we had was absolutely excellent, but from people we've spoke to, sometimes there's other people making the decisions for them, and afterwards they've regretted that they didn't speak up or they absolutely. didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe having the likes of yourself there that that you know they can buffer that between. You know, because people are very intimidated when it's a doctor or when it's a medically trained someone yeah. and that they're like to ask for a second opinion or to ask the thing. And, and I'm not by no means recommending going again the, the, the opinion give to you. by, But sometimes it's not always right. And and people have gone on to say, no, I'm going to deliver my baby. And I have went on to deliver a healthy baby. Yeah. So I suppose having that confidence with somebody there and knowledge that if they look to you and ask or, or you know, there's a second... Well, especially one hundred 110 babies. It's not like you, you know.
1: <laughs> I suppose as well when you think there are times during the birthing process when a mummy will say, I've had enough of this, I just can't do this anymore. I Just get me an epidural or just get this baby out of me. I don't care what you do, just get this baby out of me. And if you just say things like, you know, this this is transition talking. This is the period, you know, when you move from the first stage of labour into the second where everything becomes so overwhelming where mum has maybe been having surges maybe for hours, and she's thinking, I really can't do this anymore. So what you think is, you either have a safe word, between the couple have a safe word, and they'll say, oh, spaghetti, I'm I'm serious, I really can't do this anymore. Or you think, well, actually, this sounds like a fear transition, which means you're really close to birthing your baby. So let's get through the next couple of surges here, and then see how you feel afterwards. And usually by then, she's going, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and just by that wee bit of time and her just you know being comforted and being reassured that there's nothing to panic about she's fine and baby's fine just let's get through a couple more and see how you feel and that usually does the trick you know and that's that's just magical
2: Halfway (laughs) through you'll be like why the fuck did we get her in (laughs) there
1: But these are all things because I meet with them beforehand um, at least a couple of times before and we have long, in-depth discussions about what's really important for them. Because some people, it's really important that they get an epidural. Some people, it's really important that they don't go to hospital. Some people, it's really important that they have no midwives with them, that they're doing it on their own. Yeah. And some people, it's really important that they have a cesarean. There's nothing right or wrong. We're all different and we all want different things. And there's different reasons behind that. And we know at a hospital appointment, you've got 15, 10 15 minutes to talk to your midwife. How on earth can people relate to their midwives? What's really, really important to them or what their dreams and wishes are around this birth in 15 minutes each time?
2: Well, I'm, I'm glad you actually brought that up because you, there, there is a section in your green book then where you can detail a lot of the, the what you have opted for. Yeah, your birth plan. That I was, that that you obviously in your hypnobirthing class you would start telling people, but that's not something you'd be made fully aware of mm-hmm. because they'd probably be like, oh, all right. Here comes on, and here comes the notes, and there's going to be notes in here for this, that, and that. But you can make requests, and you can absolutely you can detail very much what the birth is that you want to give. The, the you're obviously an advocate for natural birth and, and hypnobirthing,
1: and for all types of births. I have been the most beautiful elective cesareans there, elective cesareans as well. I have been to all types of births, I've been to assisted births, I've been to births, we you know, mum's had an epidural. So you know in Northern Ireland there's two ways to birth your baby. You birth it either with midwives, midwife led or you birth it with obstetricians which is a medicalised way. So any inductions are immediately medicalised because there's a lot of monitoring and there's a lot of drugs involved and the majority of births are actually in the obstetric led unit now because of the the landscape maternity service at the minute, which is really appalling at the minute, but the majority of women now are having medicalised births. Yeah, so that's putting women who are wanting to birth naturally in the minority almost now. It's also all those midwives who've been trained to support midwife-led births. You know, it's really tough for them as well. They're having a really hard time. Yeah, because most of the women are going to the medicalised side which is really quite shocking because I'll tell you now, women's bodies prepare for birth from their eight years old. At eight years old, a girl's body starts to lay down fatty cells around her hips and thighs for breastfeeding and childbirth.
2: There's 100%, I'll tell you this here, fact. Fact. If it was up to us men, there ain't going to be no babies. And I said that there. I was like, I couldn't do that. It's remar- It When you watch yeah. your wife carry a baby give birth and and nurture the baby afterwards it there is a different level i actually goes to one day with when there were babies i think like, oh, that we shithead ever answered you back i'm gonna have him a dig in the mouth because with the things you had to go through <laughs> yeah. to, to bring him here but it is incredible the changes that that Woman's body can go through and, and i was like there is a reason women have children and not us, men <laughs> but on a more serious note when you're saying that i, I didn't know that that there mm-hmm. is more medically delivered babies here now in northern ireland is that, that, that that's that, that, that's mad
1: it is mad yeah and it sort of gives that impression
2: because how have how, how has evolution changed
1: it hasn't yeah our bodies haven't changed that much even in the last 10 is this, years. Is
2: this to speed up the, the process and get them out? There's what? just a
1: lot of fear. There's a lot of fear around birth now. Um, and this is something that we address in hypnobirthing classes as well, is fear. Like fear's been around forever. You know, it started years ago. I like like thought there was a ago.
2: big emphasis now on breastfeeding and natural childbirth and and, and the, the releasing hormones and the, the aftercare and, and the <laughs> mental stability, because... This is one thing that I I didn't know at the time. And why why is it that one of the most not well the most natural thing in the world is to reproduce? Why is it that there's so little known actually around giving birth? Why is it that we're it, it's almost like a taboo that we don't talk about until all of a sudden you're you're having a baby and and you're not aware of half of this and you don't know any of this. It's 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 weird to me that one of the most natural things in the world you don't have a clue about until you're getting ready and you're, you're starting to read or you're starting to watch. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff that I was shown was so out of date. Like I was watching like this thing. I remember going to the hospital, you know, like the um, classes and there was something on the TV and it was like, do you remember back when you're in school, they used to wheel out the TV and this (laughs) thing. This is what it was. It was like a 1980s production that was on the, the, and not, not that the body would have changed or things would change, but, I often wonder why is it such a like a taboo, but I I I can't understand how with the mindset people have now, and people are so much more read up, and they and they want to have a childbirth. But I didn't realize the importance for the hormones released in a natural birth as opposed to section. Because is this is this right? Am I am I wrong? And when the way I'm thinking this, that you when you give birth, you release. The, some of the hormones is thing, but when you have a section uh, you don't get the sa- the, 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 yeah. the release of some of the hormones isn't the same
1: yeah so when a woman gets closer to her guest state you know when the baby is due around that time her the body starts preparing for labour so there's hormones the body releases and you don't have to do anything about it it just happens so for instance the cervix you know the neck of the woman where the baby went in initially where the baby's going to come out that actually has to change to allow the baby to move through it so Usually, at the moment, the cervix is like the end of your nose; it's all like sinewy. And for it, for the to prepare for labour, it has to go like your earlobe, all soft and pliable. You don't have to do anything about it. Mum doesn't have to do anything; it just happens. Now, what does help with that is semen, because <laughs> the same hormone is in semen that helps to um, to develop and get uh, you now. What started
2: the fire I could get it going again.
1: You see, yeah, there's all these basic natural things, yeah. So, anyway, so this cervix uh, ripens, as they call it. Um, and so that's whenever you go into labor and this amazing uterus that I was talking about earlier, which the oxytocin helps the, the contractions to start. Every time you have, every time the mom has like contraction, it's actually pulling up at the muscles and around where the cervix is. So, um, that process to happen, the cervix has to be ripened. So those are all hormones that do that. It's hormones that ripen the body. It's uh, hormones that get the, the oxytocin going to get the um, uterus to work. And another really mind-blowing fact, and I hope you were taught in your hypnobirthing class, it's undisturbed birth that is that's going to have the best outcome. Yeah, that's why animals like to be undisturbed. That's why the cat goes into the the cupboard and closes the door or whatever and bursts the kittens in there um, whenever uh, you go into labour
2: my mind is like what what is this operation that's going on it's like something it's like et opening up <laughs> but it's
1: amazing I actually have it in my car I didn't want to bring it in because it's a podcast and you can't actually see it but I have a model of the uterus mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. working through a contraction.
2: Well, we're four K cameras, so you know, having
1: up. I should point. So, when a woman's body is producing the oxytocin for, to create the contractions, and then after the contraction, your body releases endorphins, and we all know what endorphins feels like. It's that feel good factor, like when you have a a kiss and a cuddle, whenever you have fun and laughter with your friends, when you orgasm, um, whenever you know you just have a good time, you release. Um, endorphins, work out at the gym whatever whatever floats your boat Yeah. so the endorphins then produce um, the body's own natural pain relief Yeah. so you've got oxytocin, endorphins the body's own natural pain relief now if that process isn't disturbed the body keeps producing the body's own natural pain relief and that is actually 200 times stronger than a shot of morphine
2: Morphine is the strongest known painkiller.
1: It's from heroin as well. Yeah, it's made from heroin. So, why is
2: that? Women produce that. Men can't produce that level, isn't it? Isn't that correct? Women can produce a higher level of 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 pain.
1: Natural pain relief. Yeah. Well, it all happens through this through the birthing process. So, if that's not disturbed, your body just goes on and do it. And that's why there are some women, believe it or not, who have said they felt no pain during labour having a baby, usually because the birth is <laughs> undisturbed. Just blow my head, so right? what? why does that not happen today? Why is there so much fear? Why is there so much pain? Why do people say, you know, the birth is excruciatingly painful? It's because that process keeps getting disturbed, so the body doesn't get the time and space to build up its own natural pain relief. So they go into hospital and what happens? They're given the artificial form of oxytocin. They're the drugs then, So it's like a vicious circle. If your body's not producing this, then you need that. And then if, when you need that, it's stronger. So we'd have to give you a shot of something to help. So there's all this, we'll help you, we'll rescue you. And what happens that as well? We babies in the uterus, it decides when it's ready. It's developed everything, it gets ready. Let's mum's brain know, produces the hormones, let's go, Yeah. Babies then are told that, oh actually you need to be induced. Yeah, so we have to be induced. So that process doesn't get to happen. So you get artificial oxytocin. So I've to step back a bit. So when the body produces its own oxytocin, it's coming from the brain, yeah. The body produces it. When you go into hospital or induced the artificial oxytocin goes into the vein, goes straight to the uterus. So there's no production then of the body's own natural pain relief. That whole process, the natural process, doesn't happen. It's medicalized now. So the artificial oxytocin goes straight to the uterus to make it contract. And what happens then? We the babies like, I'm quite happy in here. What's going on? Oh, someone's trying to get me out. They might be quite happy and think, well, i actually okay, I'm ready. Or they might think, I'm not actually ready yet. So what happens? They get all distressed. And then we know what that leads to. Mm-hmm. Means I get got, me out of
2: here. I got their fucking eviction notice.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, so that's the difference between a natural birth, and, and in a very, very, very short nutshell. No, but,
0: but it uh, makes total uh, sense. So, like, that, a, if you're, if you're, mm-hmm. if your body is telling you that you need the natural pain relief, that your brains send them signals. But if you override that, it's not going to make it. Yeah. So, so it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And is that why a lot are going more. The medical side than the natural birth side is that is that why that's happening under the medication?
1: The reason why there's an, why more women are birthing medically is because a lot of them are being induced, so immediately mm-hmm. is the medicalised birth. Yeah. So the rate of is sky high. Do
2: you, for, for, do you ever so, attend and be like, why are they racing to induce?
1: In I well, this is something I talk to my clients beforehand so they're well prepared. Yeah. There's lots of reasons to be induced. Um, baby's too big, baby's too small, too much amniotic fluid, too little amniotic fluid. Past your guest date. I say guest date because it's a complete guess, plucked out of the sky, basically. I know that's exaggeration, but we're not robots. All our bodies are different. So do you know that the guest date, the date that they give you for your baby, is usually based around um, a formula invented by a man in the 17th century that um, every woman um, menstruates every 28 days and on the 14th day she ovulates and conceives the baby. So that is the information that that really is based on, that guest date. There's There's a few other different formulas, but it really comes down to that. And then there's a dating scan, which is usually is not 100% accurate.
0: And that's on head size then, right? Yeah, is there anything, I, I mean, whenever we were... They were, they were taking the size of the head and they were saying, yeah, you're on track or whatever it was, many weeks that you're on. yeah But there was also, because we went privately, the, the same doctor was measuring the same each time. Yeah. Where a few of our other friends, they were getting different dates and whatever it was, because not everybody's going to measure the same way exactly. on, on the size of the head. Yeah. So that was throwing things off as well.
1: Yeah. And that leads into contitu- continuity of care, which you were paying for, you mm-hmm. to have the same person. Um, and I must say that here, no, here in Northern Ireland, we're sort of leading the UK at the minute with a rollout of continuity of care, maternity model of care, which means every woman should have the same midwife, which is really, really important. But of course, it's only happened very, very small pockets at the moment. Every trust has a continuity of care team. But and some of them are, are, are hitting the floor running, you know, there are hundreds of births. But again, it's down to resources and staffing. That's like a detour, but it is. You have to. I do have to mention that because it's amazing, and it's something we should be proud of here. But still, not taken away from all those horrible statistics that we have at the minute. Northern Ireland has the highest rate of induction in the UK. It's the highest rate of cesarean in the UK, and unfortunately, has the highest rate of stillbirth. Yeah, which is shocking. I am. Um, your jaws are touching your chin. Right because
2: here. there's no <laughs> look. Uh, you know we. And and nearly it wasn't nice to do it on both sides to, to how well the blood and then to turn around and say them statistics are shocking that there's no like I'm sure somebody can try and quantify that but the fact that that were the highest that what's the reasoning to that they're not different babies we're not we're not a different we're not a different. Uh, Ethnic race or or whatever, the, so the bodies won't be different. So there there has to be a reason for that, and it seems more like as uh, see, it seems more like the uh, the mindset and the the operating procedure seems to be that if that's the case, then th- that needs addressed. The whole from the bottom up to that. Um, I I also went private, and I have to say. It was the best money I ever spent because there's very rare situations where finance can improve your health. Mm-hmm. But the care and the attention to detail, the doctor and her team give to my wife. And we had Danielle got really ill in her thyroid, went hyperthyroid and her heart rate went to like 160 for like two or three days. And, you know, when everything's fine, Everyone's great mm-hmm. and everything's fine. It's when things aren't right is when you want to know that you have the right people there and that's how I, I uh, fortunately I found out we did because all the right decisions were made at the right time and I had two healthy boys and, and thank God. But. It's nearly not fair in the fact that there's people there that probably have they had them people and the hard people at the right period of time. Their baby would still be here or, or, or situations would have better outcomes and stuff like that. So to hear that statistic, it's, it's not nice to hear the fact that, that we're, we're, they're doing so well in other areas is, is promising. And like you have hear so many positive feedbacks and, and, and mm-hmm. things. And I always hate that if we're here bashing the NHS or bashing people that's trying to do their best, you know, or bashing doctor or police or, or people that are all trying to do their best in situations. But it, it, at the end of the day, the national health service is overstretched, underfunded, and overused, and and like you see it, then people are working ridiculous hours, and it becomes a conveyor belt, and we only ever seem to pull it up when something goes wrong.
1: Yeah, well, the system can't, it can't hold out. You know, if you think if I give it, like if you look at it this way, if a woman goes into labour naturally and goes into hospital to have her baby, she'll have like two midwives, one for her and one for the baby. And if this all happens pretty quickly, that's maybe all that she will say, You know, a couple of midwives. If you go in for an induction, you're talking tens of midwives and doctors. If you end up in theatre, you're talking about teams of people around you. So it's almost like a vicious circle. We are creating more and more of this.
2: Are there? Isn't there? But is there not? Is there not some of the maternity wards? maternity wars becoming more there's a midlife with, uh led sections in them and is is that not right is that not something that they've started doing that that i hear in in, in craig Avon they have a new midwifery led unit is that not right though? yeah
1: it is so there is a midwifery led unit in craig Avon. it's been there for a long time so northern ireland the maternity services have been changing so since covet um they closed down the standalone midwife-led unit in Belfast at the Mater Hospital because Mater Hospital became the COVID hospital. Then there was an incident in Lagan Valley. Um, unfortunately, a wee baby died, and the coroner, um, asked Department of Health then so to with withdraw the guidelines for um women being able to go into standalone midwife-led units. So Lagan Valley was closed down, and Downpatrick Patrick was closed down. So there is no standalone centres are midwife-led units in Northern Ireland. There are alongside midwife-led units, so there's one in the Royal, there's one all all around the province, but sometimes there's no staff for them and they're they're closed at short notice. So it's back to women's choices. So just a couple of things that we mentioned before. You mentioned allowed, people not being allowed. I hate that because I have to say when it comes to maternity choices and maternity law, do you know that no one can lay a finger on a woman's body when she's pregnant or in labour or during birth unless she gives them consent? Now to get consent, that woman is supposed to be told what is happening to her, what the options are, what the alternatives are, what the benefits are, what the risks are, um, before that any, any procedure can go ahead. Yeah, so that she can give informed consent. Yeah. Um going in for an induction, if someone's going for induction, they're supposed to be told like what are the benefits of this induction? What are the risks to you? What are the risks to your baby? Because induction is not a risk-free procedure. What are the alternatives here? What does your instinct tell you? What does your intuition say? Like we want you to have an induction because you're forty-one weeks. Is that a good enough reason, like for induction? Is baby okay? Is there other ways that we can monitor baby? Um, are you doing okay? If you're fit and healthy and baby's fit and healthy, is it a good enough reason for an induction? So why do we do nothing? Just leave it. Just leave it for a day. Leave it for a couple of days. So I'm going through this acronym called the brain. You've probably heard it before. Use your brain. Always ask. It does not even just for birth. It's like before you buy that new car, before you buy those new shoes, think what are the benefits? What are the risks? What's the alternative? What's your instinct telling you? What if you do nothing? And you can add an S on the end for... If you're in hospital and someone's saying you need to do this, just smile at them. Or you can ask for a second opinion or you can ask for a bit of space. Can you just give us a wee bit of space here? Just give us 10 minutes to we talk us through and see then where we go from there. So if people have a time or know that they can do this, then they still keep in control of the situation and don't feel then that things weren't taken out of their hands. There's none of this allowing you to do this or letting you. They wouldn't let me do this. They wouldn't let me do that. Come on, you're a grown woman. You've got a really good professional job. Why are you saying someone won't let you do this? This is your body and your baby. No one can do anything to your body or your baby without your consent. And did you know that babies have no rights until they take first breath of air? So playing this dead baby card shouldn't actually work.
2: That's a big statement. but um, Yeah. it it I oh just but I know what you're saying and 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 I know for the fact that you're you're saying it and it uh, to me yeah you're absolutely correct but also you you when to be fair to some of the mothers there that say oh I didn't have they're the most vulnerable they're maybe not fully aware of, of what's being said if if that was a contract in any law It would never stand up because it's under duress and it's under things so. Quantifying conversations It's had with you about risks And and thing is very hard If You're in distress, your baby's in distress Or or thing And also Yeah, that's what's supposed to happen But sometimes if, if doctors Have to start acting quick, I would rather they just done what they needed to do if it was if it was to save Absolutely. Baby, mother, yeah. whatever it yeah. is yeah. then mm-hmm. standing and having a, a five minute brief Of, of the, the thing But I, I completely understand what you're saying That if you're <coughs> Of clear mind and judgement And you do not feel something's right You should 100% stand up And not be afraid It's not as easy as that It's an intimidating environment If you feel someone Automatically as a doctor, and we've had this in different scenarios—not birth. We've had this in in uh, a lady here that had breast cancer and had to get a mm. second opinion and was right to do so. It mm-hmm. saved her life. Mm-hmm. You you you're entitled, but we assume these people know best. And who are we to question this? And we're just annoying, and we're just saying when really you shouldn't care and give a shit because I I I know one hundred percent. I know my I actually go as far to tell you. A situation that helped me, and I and and I didn't really want to go into this, but this is something that I find in this country that 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 when you get private care, you still end up in the same labor unit, mm-hmm. which no private which shouldn't so. be the situation because it's not fair. Because I'll tell you why. When it was in in the situation of my second child, uh, the the consultant that was in on call at the time, the There was a baby delivered uh, that night in a a section and we were told to come back the next day. It was a planned section. Uh, There was an emergency that night, so then it had cleared and our consultant wasn't due to come down because they had uh, um, appointments that morning. So they come round and goes, we're going to take you in now and such and such is going to do it. And I goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I could see instantly see my wife starting to panic because this wasn't the person she had known For the last three years And that had delivered our previous mm. child And someone that we talked to and discussed our plans And knew what we wanted And mm. this was some other uh, doctor Which I am sure is probably Every bit as well trained And, and, mm. uh, and as I was like I could see her just instantly change In her, her whole demeanour She just started panicking Of oh, going in here in an operation with someone I don't know And I had to be a dick In the middle of the thing Goes no we'll wait. So all these people that are overstaffed and waiting to go off to another unit because they obviously wanted to carry out that section so they could go on, I had to stand and say, no, we'll wait.
1: But that's the right thing to do for you and, and your wife, wasn't it? And you shouldn't feel that you know, that, that was well, wrong.
2: Well, it was a, uh, maybe my attitude then because the, 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 the midwife that came in to say it to me was not pleased and she was then trying to talk to Danielle while I was there and I was like, you don't need to talk like I'm not here, I'm telling you the the, the wishes we had and we've talked about mm-hmm. So I actually was standing there and she was vulnerable and she was like, you know what, maybe And I was like, no, we'll wait and we will wait And I was like I know from my actions that I made other people wait to get medical attention later that day Because I was being selfish as in I'll look after my wife and I'll look after my child and I don't give a fuck about who or what or where you need to go until we're going to wait. And we did wait. And I, and all of a sudden, like, I knew they were outside and they're going back and forth and they're waiting. And they're thinking, this dick in here is digging his heels in, right? And afterwards then, when my baby was there and everything was grand, I was I, I went in and I said, look, I brought stuff down later on that evening for him. And I said, look, I'm sorry. It's not my fault either that this this works this way. It shouldn't be the way. It mm-hmm. should be that if you're private, you're private. And that that overlapped and it affected other people. And and I didn't think that was a fair process. I didn't think it was fair that I had to end up doing that. It wasn't fair on the doctor that was trying to obviously clear the schedule. It wasn't fair on my consultant either. They had, they they had their pla- they had their practice and they had their but that did happen. Yeah. But my wife would have went along with that. And like she, she's a clever woman and, and in a normal time she would have said no, but in that vulnerable state, she would have agreed to something that she wouldn't normally. So when we're talking about making that, sometimes they would agree to things that in a normal
1: Absolutely. rationalized
2: yeah. mind they wouldn't. So having somebody there like yourself to maybe to give that confidence in there and say, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to just yeah. go along with this. We can turn around and say, well. No.
1: Yeah, and it's just reminding them, is this actually what you really want to do? Because I know as a doula, I don't want my clients to come back and say to me, and you never told me that I could have waited five minutes. You didn't tell me that I could have waited for my own consultant to come in later. Why did you not remind us then? (laughs) So it's just, I always have to be quite... Like, thinking on my feet a lot as well and making sure I'm covering all angles too. And I'm sure not pushing me for.
2: your idea to them either.
1: I can't. I you know That's why I have to remain professional. That's why I do my training and that's why I keep up, you know, my professionalism as well because it's not about me. You know, it's all about the mummy and the daddy or partner and the baby, you know. And we know, like we said earlier, birth affects everybody. It affects all of us because we're all born. We usually or supporting someone at at labour or birth at some stage, whether you're a man or a woman, you know. So this is why people can't turn walk away from it and say, it's got nothing to do with me, birth, you know, or it's a woman's business. Birth isn't always, a okay, women actually birth the babies, but men are an integral part in this as well, and they should be included and they should be involved in decision-making as well.
0: So see after the whole birthing process, like you're obviously there to support. Mm -hmm. So what's the support after then? You know, uh, they obviously go home. Do you, do you support them through, you know, all the things get you home and go through that whole process? So, what what's the role mm. of a, a doula afterwards?
1: Okay, so if I quickly run through like what a birth doula does. So, mm-hmm. the birth doula is like um, preparing the couple for for birth. We also talk about the postnatal period because I've had couples before. Who say, see the birth, Anne? it was a dawdle, It was at six weeks after. It was Really, really hard work. So, we talk about the postnatal stage as well. So we talk about things like birth plans, birth choices, we talk about uh, comfort measures and then we talk about what do you need then when the baby comes along, what's really important. Like you've both been through it, you know that postnatal stage with the first baby, it's like your head's somewhere else, it's like sleep deprivation, you can't think straight, it's a form of torture, <laughs> you do anything just to sleep and, and you're all so concerned about the baby getting enough food and being fed and all and you think about the mum. If you think a baby's needs are being fed, being kept clean, being loved, and the mummy's the same, she might want a few bit extra than that, but it's the same sort of thing. So as a postnatal doula, it's like trying to keep that as smooth as possible. Going in, maybe the mum and dad just want a a nap, some sleep, but they want to know that the baby's going to be okay while they take a nap, or they might want me to take the baby out for a walk. Mum might might want someone to sit with her while she's doing the feeding, whether it's bottle feeding or or um, breastfeeding. Uh, we do have extra training, obviously, to support all types of feeding. Um, we don't, obviously, breast is best, but we believe fed is best. Yeah. So, there's a lot of um, questions about how often the baby should be fed. And again, midwives are still calling. That's their role as well. Midwives are calling in to see mummy and baby, that mummy's healing well. And, um, So with the the doula, it's more on the practical and emotional side of things. So I'm making sure that her bed's lovely and clean and cosy the way she wants it. That there's food in the cupboards. There's maybe some food in the stove or something ready there to eat uh, and to drink. Um, The laundry's up to date. Maybe run the hoover around. Or maybe she just wants me to actually just lie down in the bed beside her, just comfort her. She maybe wants to debrief the birth, like what actually happened there? How did that happen? Why did that happen? Um... And then it's also like just um, any things to really help uh, with the healing process. No matter how the baby's born, whether the baby comes out of the vagina or baby comes out of the belly, um, there's a lot of healing going on, a lot of healing and um, the body is in repair mode. So it's looking at, well, a nice groaning kick help with this, you know, with that with the, all those properties the groaning kick have help with the healing process, making sure mum has lots of. No you know, good water, you no know, less nice, lovely water fluids to drink as her body is uh, getting back to normal. Maybe she likes some, the lavender still comes out, hypnobirthing techniques still come out, um, especially for sleep um, and rest. Uh, what else? What's those wee things in the baby's nappy? You know, things that someone's never told her about. Just day five, we see like wee tomato seeds and the wee mustard seeds in the baby's nappy. That's okay, that's just the baby's brown fat that baby had before it was born, doesn't need it anymore because it's getting milk. Nothing to worry about. Why does baby have all the hiccups? How do I cut my baby's nails? All these little things that can really put mum and dad into anxiety. It's a bit just like having someone there who isn't coming in saying, what did you wake the baby for? she should let him sleep. Why did you put the baby down like this to sleep? How are you holding that baby? Is that right? Watch the baby's neck. No, it's not someone coming in criticising or telling them what to do. Again, we're, we're not. that's not our role. We're there to give them confidence and to give them the reassurance that actually they're doing a pretty damn good job here. You know, she's just birthed a baby and they're just adapting. So we try to encourage like the baby moon. Have you heard of the baby moon before? No. A bit like a honeymoon, you know, when you meet, well, in the good old days. <laughs> I don't know about good, but in the old days when you met someone, you got married and you went on the honeymoon to get to know them. I know it's a bit arch about face nowadays, but it's having that period together just to get to know each other. Because there's, again, hormones are at play and there's all this bonding process happening. Like some, not all babies that are born, not not, mommies, not all mummies fall in love immediately with their babies that are born. Sometimes it needs to be a bit of time. Just like we don't always fall in love with our partners at first sight. Sometimes we need a bit of time. So it's understanding that actually that's okay you know, on how to, to help that that process. So a bit of understanding, a bit of knowledge, um, how to make life easy, lots of practicalities, like if mum has had um, a cesarean, how to show her wee tips how to get out of the bed without pulling on herself, um, what to do with her scar if she has to sneeze or cough. Um, the first pee and the first poo, oh my goodness, could go on forever. Things like that. And that's
0: Practice the thing. Is because, an intricate process. But that's the but that's the thing though, for for a lot of uh, mothers and then their partners, the partners are home for two weeks and then back to work. Yeah. So the mums even, even Yeah. And and the mums are just right. See, they don't have my way to work here. Yeah. And like probably at the start, the first two weeks being at home, my head was fried because you obviously you've never experienced any of this before. So getting back to work, I was like Know how to do this, uh, but but that's <laughs> true. <laughs> A break, yeah, yeah. But but that's true though. Yeah, you you, you wanted to get home to see your your newborn again, but getting away from the uh, that, not chaos. But you know you know what I mean. Just all these things you didn't know it's anything constant, about, doesn't it? Yeah. It's constant. and you went to work and you were like, but the mum's still at home having to do all them things. And generally during the day, everybody's at work. All her friends are at work. She's left there by herself all day. Yeah, it's a lonely time too.
1: It is, and that's often around two to three weeks. I get the frantic calls, usually from the dad. Um, can you come and help us? You know, baby's wakened up to the world. Um, we thought we had a wee routine, and baby's just crying all the time. You know, uh, we we just need some help, need some support, need to get some sleep. We haven't eaten properly. I know. See, as a postnatal doula, I go round to mummy's homes, and it might be like two o'clock in the afternoon. Dad's back at work. I can assure you, she hasn't eaten a bite.
2: I literally would paid to sleep the night. Yeah, and I I know that sounds stupid, but just like I would like I don't care. What I'm to sleep well, there are Any some moment.
1: people who will. They get like nannies in, or they get like doulas who do overnight. You know, just to to help with that. But, but these, this is the thing: you have to pay for the service, mm-hmm. which I find a wee bit difficult. There are some countries where the likes of myself, the government, pay to go in like every day. It'll maybe six months. Popping in with the same family every day, maybe just for an hour, but just checking in. And that family knows that that woman's coming in every day. And if there's any issues that she can hopefully help them with or be able to signpost into someone who can help.
2: But you know, I the one thing I want to ask you, there's a lot of pressures on mum and, and like cultural pressures. Mm-hmm. So I remember when, when the boys and breast is best, and I mean to the point it was absolutely rammed down our throat. And I remember the time going, right, what is it? And as you start learning, yes, it is. Okay. The the wonders that's in breast milk, when you start reading it and you start getting into it's unreal. But one thing that was in my mindset, and I was reading this, and how how often mothers pair up with their child when the milk comes in or when the baby's latching. There's so much, it's an intricate process that, that not always happens that way. Right? Mm-hmm. So... I was like, "This it it is best," but the way it was being pushed, and I mean pushed, pushed by the nurse, the doctors, and pamphlets and everything you looked at, I was like, "What happens if, for toxic, the milk doesn't come in straight away, or the baby doesn't tongue tie, or there's something? The, the 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 mother's vulnerable enough for uh, postnatal, and and yeah. and blues." The, the, the feeling of failure, because it's being pushed and pushed and pushed, nobody turns around and says, well, your baby will be fine if you have to give a bottle. It's not, let's face it, we would rather, but it was unbelievable. And I actually was sitting there, I actually asked the nurse that day, I guess, what happens, there's a room, there was like 10 or 11, and there's a statistic like 3 in 10 or 30 or 40% doesn't take, and it doesn't work, and that's the uh, bottle fed or something like that, whatever it was, I remember reading and seeing it. And I was like, there's, there's about four mums here that's not going to be fit to do this, even if they want to do this. How are they going to feel if that doesn't happen? Like, you know, I I just thought it was, there's so much pressure on what you're supposed to do. Oh, you should do this naturally. And oh, you shouldn't take these and you shouldn't. But I think sometimes it just works out the way it's supposed to work out for. Obviously, if you have help and people that help you and people mm-hmm. are there and, and, and can yeah. help you with that. and And... and the one thing I was laughing at Was I went to the class The breastfeeding class Right My boy was born Sucking his thumb So I <laughs> knew that boy Was ready to rock and roll But My wife It was an emergency section She was absolutely I actually was Popping him on and, and feeding him While she was KO'd mm-hmm. And I was like If somebody's not there Supporting her doing that Would that She probably would have been fit. But Is that a Is that a role That you're there to help for, for feeding and, and thing But do you, yeah. do, you, do you see what I mean About some mums and, and the pressure That that puts on them
1: Yeah there's there's a lot um, There's a thing called breastfeeding grief Because and this usually Just as you said mums who plan to breastfeed And then something happens And there could be 101 different reasons That they don't uh, And then they always like Well beat themselves up about it You know So it's it is, it is, you know, it could probably be a whole different podcast, really, um, mm. about breastfeeding and breastfeeding grief and the benefits and everything for it. Um, and again, Northern Ireland doesn't have great statistics for breastfeeding. But did you know, do you know that Ireland is the biggest exporter of milk for formula.
2: <laughs> We're the largest export with the least numbers. <laughs> well, did
1: for formula milk, you say.
2: But it it uh, look listen that was just one side of things and I was just t- I know t- yeah yeah but. It, of, of of everyone has this idea what's idea was perfect on Instagram is some fucker for this because it's telling these moms what they should feel how they should be where they should be at and, and, and all these wee videos and everything's rosy and you he goes straight in and and everything's grand but it it it's it I always thought what pressure that comes with that and and everyone puts across this perfect image yeah. you know. They're all doing this picture going out the door. They're all doing these pictures and thing, And the truth is, there's are laying up these all over the place. And, I know.
1: And well, we know it's not real. We know a lot of Instagram isn't real. It's false, isn't it? But that's another thing that the doula would spend time talking to the family about. Let's talk about the actual realities here. What's your expectations? And a lot of couples will say, yeah, we'll have the baby and hopefully be a good feeder and a good sleeper, you know, and. It might be out of sorts for a few days, but hopefully we'll be all right. And you have to sit down and just let's talk here about what, how you're actually going to feel. And actually, you probably don't know emotionally how you're going to feel, never mind physically. And then there's this whole period of adapting. So the baby's adapting. Baby was all lovely, perfectly tucked up in mommy's tummy, perfect temperature. No old nappies or baby grows to wear. Nobody fussing over it, never felt hungry. Perfect, perfect um, lighting.
2: reflux or colic?
1: Nothing, nothing <sighs> like that. And then all of a sudden, it's in this world. First thing somebody's doing is putting bands on its wrist, bands on its ankle, nappy on it, giving it a rub down. Um, and then it gets a breast stuck in its mouth or else a teat and it's supposed to know just what to do, you know. So... You have to think as well, it can be tough for the baby too, you know, and that's why some babies are really quite unsettled for a while because they're just adapting. And then their wee bodies are still developing as well. They're they're going through massive brain development and they're going through massive developments inside. You talk about colic and reflux, and that's usually because the wee flap at the top of the esophagus isn't quite developed yet, you know, so there's a lot, you know, happening in there as well. So what does baby need again? Baby is safest environment is skin to skin. Skin to skin is amazing. I always say to my mummies and daddies, if you're having a really bad day with baby, just strip off and get into bed at three years. I'll bring you up some food later when you're dressed. <laughs> <laughs> it can work magic. Just, you know, forget about everything, turn the lights off, play your favourite music, play your hypnobirth and scripts. Baby will probably recognise them from whenever it's in the in the womb. You can settle them down. Um and just chill
0: Well tell me Instead For maybe the likes of expecting mothers It's You know at the minute how, how do you go and look about a doula You know do you go on Google and just search And then how do you know who's the right fit for you As well Like how do you go through that process of finding a doula
1: Yeah so usually people would go on to Goog- Go on to Google or There are registers to find a doula as well um, Doula UK have like a find a register Where you can put in your postcode And then any doulas in your area comes up you put in either birth or postnatal or you can put in both, whatever. Um, so you have a look at them and they have a wee spiel about themselves. Like they call it wee and you read through it and you think, oh, I Anne, okay, she's three grown-up kids. She's been doing this. I? Oh, I don't know if I like look like her. Let me move on. There's somebody else. Oh, I'll have a wee chat with her and you just contact them, send them an email or call them. And say so I always ask uh, to meet in person, usually somewhere, just meet somewhere like for a cuppa somewhere because on neutral ground, yeah, um, and I always say, if there's, you know, if dad's involved, almost like dating them. It is a bit. It's <laughs> a bit like a date, and I says, you know, I'll, you know, if if you're with your partner, you get them to come along too, because there's no point in the mum. Thinking do you have I'm testimonials great. or like reviews, uh-huh, loads uh-huh. of them, yeah. So it's really important because what I'm looking for at that first meeting is a connection, and we always know within the first couple of minutes if we like somebody or not, yeah. Um,
2: what about me and Sean? Would you come and do it for us?
1: Only if you both had to have the baby at the same time. <laughs> 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 and oh that's another
2: thing. Do you have a conflict? Like do you uh, do you take like one one client at a time That's or a really good
1: question. That's a really good question. That's the question that comes up in the doula training. Um I average um like between twelve and fourteen a year. I couldn't cope with any more than that because as my family say, whenever I'm on call, I'm in doula mode. They say, mum, you sort of go away and then you come back after the baby's born because I'm so focused on that wee family. Like I know when I'm sitting here, the wee family that I'm waiting on are probably being pestered about induction or something, you know, and I'm just thinking, please, God, wait, wait, wait. You and know, you're waiting wait.
0: on the wee message well, I, through to your watch. Yes, and it's
1: are. usually in the middle of the night, you know, usually I get tucked into bed and I get a wee call. Oh, things are happening. Yeah. Uh, it is, it's myth, but yes, back to st- you have to plan that out, yeah. So I, ideally, you know, I would not take any any more clients than that, but I also find it really hard to say no because I have a lot of return clients. Like I've been doing this for a yes, while, and I've mummies coming back to me for their second, third, fourth, fifth baby, yeah. And there's no way I'm going to say no. I can't be your dilla, yeah. you know. Um, and actually after this podcast, I'm going to visit a wee family in Cookstown. I was there and teacher, first time. COVID wouldn't let me be the doula. So I was a um, doula there for the last wee one that was born recently. Lovely. At home. So I'm going to have to visit right. them.
2: So- <laughs> now, I, that's something I forgot to ask. <laughs> what about the pool jobs?
1: Oh, the pools, yeah. So can I just backstep a bit to doulas of N.I.? Mm, yeah. So this all started, you mentioned about how many clans taken on. As a doula with a bit of professionalism, I always would have um, like a backup. Just in case I ever became sick or something happened to me that I couldn't attend a birth, I would hate to let down anyone. So I started working with this girl, um, Sarah Benetti, but she's up in the north coast and only were the two of us at the beginning working. So we formed a really good relationship. I would always be her backup, she would be mine. Um, And then we actually did shared care. So some couples, both of us, like for instance, when we were doula to triplets, a natural birth of triplets, I thought, it's going to take more than one doula here. So. All hands <laughs> on deck. It <too>. really
2: was.
1: <laughs> that was amazing. Like, first baby was born in water. Can you imagine? And the next two, um, breach. was oh, amazing. Anyway, um, I get full of so oxytocin tr- when I think about we it.
2: Triplets were born in the water?
1: Well, the first one was born in water, yeah. Uh. It was amazing. Yeah, three boys.
2: Why does three little ducks come into my head? <laughs> <laughs>
1: three boys. Yeah, there'll be four. So, the four now. Um, so yeah. So we obviously got really close with um, our doula work. Um, so then we started the doulas of NI because so we thought, you know, we're doing all this together anyway. Just let's put herself out there. Of doulas NI uh, as a collective. And then um, we had Tara. Tara Thompson, in Belfast. She's a yoga teacher, and she started doing backup for us as well. And we thought, oh, if we like her, like get her to join. Yeah, so the three of us now, we have this wee collective and it means we can bring all our different skills and talents together and provide a really individualised service for some couples, you know. So we offer different packages, you know, with the hypnobirthing package, the doula package, postnatal yoga, whatever. You know, we do like three-step rewind, you know, this is where if someone has a bit of trauma from birth, they can go through this process to be able to view their birth without feeling traumatised. Uh, so Tara and Sarah do that and we do things like biomechanics, which is like moving the body. You know, we, we hear things of baby getting stuck or baby is in an awkward position. We can actually help uh, work with mum and her body to get baby into the optimal position for birth or even during, during labour and birth as well. Um, we What else do we do? Um. I don't think at the minute but I do like mother ceremonies as well, mother blessings so people are preparing for the for the baby um, it's all the women and her family coming together to prepare her for labour and stuff so it's, it's lovely, I mean the work's beautiful so we all got together with a collective and we also all had our own pools for home birth uh, so we decided then we got all these new pools and we hire them out so any money that we make from hiring them out goes to a charity to support women who can't afford doulas or women who want to have a much better birthing experience. So we hire out pulls, we hire out tens machines. And we are the tens machines, yeah. yeah. Um I do we uh, cord ties for the cords, we embigled tor- cords instead of the clamps. Uh, I've got a birth sling that I got imported from Australia and we have peanut balls and cubs. So cubs and inflatable birth stool. So we have all this that we would hire out all over the province to say. One of your family got one last week. So it's really oh. exciting.
2: <laughs> that, so obviously families that have researched this and elected for a home water birth. Yeah. They, well, did they generally have a midwife there or not? Or
1: Yeah, yeah. So they would have the community midwives. So the home birth team, some trusts, well, the Southern Trust have a dedicated home birth team. Um. But yes, it's usually the community midwives would be on call for home births. So, but it's up to the parents to organise the, the birth pool and stuff.
2: And then you get the pool. Like, I just, you know, I was like, that never entered my psyche. Because I was like, shit, there's a lot of moving parts going on here as, as it is. I, I don't need... A lazy spa in the middle of the front room and and know what to do I'm only joking but yeah. it uh it's obviously somebody that's that have well read and they've researched it and they've made this conscious decision so are they easier worked with or harder worked with when when they they feel that they're well read like because I, I sometimes I get the impression of like and this s- Sorry to sound this... And and to any of you that have had a home birth and all... This is probably stereotypical... I get this more like... More like... Hippie vibe where they have this idea... But I just feel like sometimes like birth is like a spanner that just comes flying in the works. Like you're you're, you're making this when you're sitting here and it's good. And then all of a sudden you're like, shit, did I, you know, you you get that moment of like, did I make the right idea? You know, you need to be very strong in your conviction that this is what we're doing because you can't decide halfway, you know, in the pool where we're heading into the hospital now.
1: Well, I think it's knowledge is power, you know, and some people look into it and they look at the reason and why people choose the undisturbed, like home birth, you know, and they can see that it's going to be more beneficial to them and the baby. Uh, and usually babies that are born in the water usually are so calm and gentle as well because they're swimming from one fluid into another, you know, Um I like Captain birth and babies are always so calm and chilled as well. I hope your babies boys are too
2: <laughs> oh i my mine are calm yeah. as they come yeah. they, uh, they look amazing. like two Tasmanian devils with <laughs> a bunch skin on the wall. <laughs> they don't go through door or they don't open doors they go through them, but yeah. that's maybe more uh, nature over nurture or that. <laughs> I think
1: it's probably a combination of both, you know, and you know there is a there's a lot of research that's been done into it's called photology study. there's been a lot of research done into how babies come into the world and how it affects their personality, their character, how it um, affects even their behaviour as well, um, which well, is quite interesting. <laughs> there's a whole lot of other you new know, yeah. <laughs> there,
2: but there is so many elements. And so many different, like very specialized. And I know sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, look, listen, this is what I do. I, I can mm-hmm. talk about what I do. But you have a general over. You have 110 babies in, in, in the, on the book, you know, like, you, yeah. you know, you, you've you not that everyone you've experienced every type, but you, you're well aware of the different things that happen. It to me, the weirdest thing and we were going to do this and I was like, is this weird that two men have the podcast <laughs> with it? <laughs> Also, we've been through separate journeys, and mm-hmm. and and we we you know we both we both have had our experiences with it, and it it's something that I find that I'm hoping men would listen to this and be like, well, I was thinking the same. How's this happening? How's that happening? And where do I stand in this? And you know, my granddad had a better way of it. He was in the pub and he got a phone call and he had an our pint. Like you know, it it, it it's not times of change, which I'm I'm glad and I'm glad it was present and 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 fit yeah. the help and. But uh, it's such a complex. You could do a pod in different sections mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. It's such a complex thing, and hopefully, we've given overview for some of the, the guys and, and mm-hmm. young couples out there. That, and hopefully, also then that we've people that were panicking that don't have the network of support. Like because the the, the amount of people were having smaller families now. Yeah. There, there's less. There's less uh, children per household now than there there, there there ever was. Like in years. So like the the. the population per birth rates going down not the actual amount of yeah. children but per, per yeah. household so that network of support gets smaller as, as time goes by so hopefully for anyone out there that maybe to have a child, maybe they were, they were put off the idea because they don't know and there's just generally people don't know anything about a children and have actually a fear oh jesus don't leave me with that child i don't i don't know what to do yeah so hopefully for anyone out there that that, that didn't have the network support. There is options out there. There's doula's out there. There's people that will yeah. come and support you in the in between stages where you can you can learn your hypnobirthing. You can you can have a a, a backup a partner in there for when when you're, yeah. you're giving birth, and you can have somebody to come afterwards and 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 watch how you're changing them. Watch how you're feeding and how you're yes, holding and, and reassure you. Yeah. So hopefully now people reach out and and the uh, the. They get, they, they get help or they see the option that that's, Absolutely. that's there.
1: And the thing with the postnatal doula, I should actually say this, whenever I take on a postnatal job, we never know like how many hours, you know, someone wants me for. Because I have people say, oh, well, I want you for a hundred hours. I'm like, let's cut that down a wee bit because you don't know how you're going to feel after a couple of, you might you might not need me after a couple of weeks. And they're like, oh, we will, we will, we will. I'm thinking, well, actually, if I'm doing my job really well, you won't need me because it's like, You're getting a job, but you don't want a job, okay? So you're employing postnatal doula, but when they turn around you and I look at them and think they don't need me anymore, I know that's a job well done. But it's almost if I'm doing myself out of a job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then I think that's uh, that's I feel good then because I know I've given them the skills and the confidence like to cope with this newborn period. But they'll always know if they need me, I'll be there. But they don't have to be paying a fortune, you know.
2: Well, my boys to my youngest and I would definitely pay something. Yeah. <laughs> <all laughs> no, but I get what you're saying. It's yeah. to allow them to stand their own two feet. Absolutely. And yeah. and and also then it allows you then to help the next family. You know, mm-hmm. if, if they are or if some people just require that bit more reassurance. Maybe not need any more help but just need to be told that what they're doing is right. Yeah. To have that there would make the world a difference. But uh look, I've enjoyed it. It's it's I, it's a, a learning thing. I still struggle to see how the most natural process in the world is shrouded in so many questions. And like, so much
1: fear. Yeah, uh-huh. It's a fear. I've never like, used to that about home births and that. If you think, if you go back in generations, I don't know if you were born at home or your your mum or her mum or that, it's not, it's not my, that long ago. You
2: see size my head. She, was, she ain't taking no chances at home with this <laughs>
1: I grinned it Women, <laughs> Women's bodies are amazing We will not, very very rarely grow a baby that we can't birth
2: I, literally I'm going to say this to you right Have you ever rocked up, locked in and goes We you delivered that I, I actually genuinely one time seen this baby And it was a tank Right? And the mummy was the slightest thing and I was like, Section? No. Fair
1: play. see babies are brilliant.
2: Fair play. <laughs> look, and she's like, Oh my god, man, They have no idea. No idea. But look, listen and, and trust the process, trust yeah.
1: the woman and trust the baby. They know what to do.
0: Yeah, uh, well look, listen, it uh, we've learned a lot in this podcast, I think. <laughs> I keep on. Go- I, I don't know why my head's going back till the whole birthing process and tweaking nipples and stuff. But that's where my head's oh, at.
1: I, I know what I should have said to you as well. Maybe I should. Oh well.
0: Go for it. Go, never hold. It's in either. your head. Are you
1: sure?
2: The shit I come out with, yours will never look bad compared to mine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Floppy face. Floppy family. What <laughs>
2: What's a that? Floppy face And floppy mommy.
1: <laughs> We're talking about The birth process If you yeah. keep the jaw relaxed Floppy face The cervix relaxes ah, If you keep right. tension here The baby Your cervix Will never Dilate
2: and Here's a gem note. for you On that note But look, look your wife Dead in the eyes And say Baby Floppy face Floppy funny You <laughs> <laughs> <We> work wonders <laughs> Don't be clipping that bit either, <laughs> but you know what? It uh, it, it's a It's we often find, and this is lighthearted because you know what? It's actually one of the most special things in the world, and yes. and the bring baby into the world is a magical, magical thing. It's absolute carnage sometimes, but it, it's nice because we're saying it smiling because at the end of it, and and hopefully always at the end of it yeah. and we've had podcasts on baby loss so we're, we're we're not naive to it and some people will be saying oh yeah you're just talking about that we've covered that side of pregnancy and loss in another one so we it, this one was about the joy and the, and and the love yeah. and and the things. so we got to say that in a in a smiley face while we're joking about some of the things and while me and sean still <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things the one thing i will always say women there's some there are some Tool because if it was up to us, we couldn't do it. And the other thing that I always said was, a single mum and the respect you have for a woman that does that on her
1: own—absolutely, yeah, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Mm-hmm.
2: But thank you so much for coming up. I, I had a ball. I, 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 you know, you know what? When we were reading through the the, <laughs> the info and the and hypnobirthing and the thing, and I was like, and back there I was like, I've done that, and everyone stopped and goes, what? <laughs> But uh, I think that uh, even for people that aren't as holistic, and I'm not, I think you need to look into it. And if, if your partner is, don't be ignorant to it, don't cut her off, and don't think, because if, if anything helps, it helps. And, and, yeah. and that's the only thing I would say to that. Definitely, to me, I don't get it, but it was a massive help to my wife, so I'm glad I did do it. And I'm glad we had you at all. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Anne.
1: Oh, thank you. That was super. Thank you.